And so when I mentioned that we bought SNS Rentals, which is a seven-figure business, we didn't have that cash. In fact, when we were doing the paperwork to apply for it, we had a negative net worth. I didn't even know you could have a negative ne- negative <laughs> net worth. Great experiences build great leaders. Great leaders build great teams. This is Building Great Sales Teams. All right, guys, welcome back to Building Great Sales Teams. We are live for this one. I got my man, Blake Show. He's a serial entrepreneur, guys. He he owns SNS Houseboats. Boat Rentals, Mudbum USA, and White Rock Decoys. The dude is always on the move and doing something. Every time that I talk to him, he's building something. He's got a new product that he's launching or whatever the case is. Blake, welcome to the show, brother. Hey, good to be here. I love the hat, by the way. I have a a like a charcoal hat, my felt hat, you know, that I take when I want to be fancy and that I got remarried <laughs> in. Yeah. But I think we all secretly want that black hat. You know, <laughs> so it's funny. I've, I've had cowboy hats and more cowboy hats since, man, I was in high school. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, just because I'm outside so much and you just keep the sun off my redneck ass already and yeah. um, things like that. So but this is my first felt black hat ever. Really? And I, yeah, I just got it this spring. And it's kind of nice, right? Because I can, I don't feel as bad. Like, usually I just wear the straw, white straw cowboy hats. Yeah, and same. It, it's cool. And I can, but it's not really super formal, right? Now I wear this thing to church. Like, I can rock it everywhere. I love yeah. it. Yeah. No, absolutely. Especially now with Yellowstone being out, you know, they're flying off the shelves. You know, everybody's that, turning. That's in. the only downside, right? <laughs> <laughs> My wife is like the worst. She's like, you just got that one because of Yellowstone. And I'm I'm a fan of this show, but I'm like, yeah. listen, you've known me since high school. Like I've had cowboy hats and it's not like a fact. Like my cowboy boots are 12 years old right now. Right. Like there's nothing <laughs> left of them. Like it, it's not one of those fads, but you know, certain people, like people that know you, they get it. And yeah, but yeah so. absolutely. Yeah. I, I definitely love wearing my straw hat out. Like when I'm working on the property or, or mowing the yard and stuff like that. I mean, you're right. It keeps the sun off you. Like it had a purpose at, at, at one point, you know what I mean? I'm not a cowboy, but I am a Texan. You know what I mean? And that's part of our formal attire, you know, so you got to have a felt hat. (laughs) Yep, for sure. So we met in Apex and now you're also in the RBO inner circle as well. So I get to see everywhere now, which is awesome. Um, So let's kind of go back and, you know, I I love talking to serial entrepreneurs like yourself because typically the first skill that you learned was sales. So do you have like kind of an origin story of, you know, your first sales position or your first sales job or your first big sale? Um, yes and no. Right. Okay. So it goes back way before I ever even have, had a thought of selling. Mm-hmm. And I guess when, when I think of where maybe my sales stuff started, which precursor, like I, I'm not a salesman in trade or have never been really, but everything in business is selling right? when it comes down to it, right? But I look back and when I was grade school, um, me and my grandfather were super close and he was in this group called Ducks Unlimited, which I'm sure a lot of people have heard about, a nonprofit organization. And so getting ready for, he got me involved in Ducks Unlimited and getting ready for the yearly banquets and things like that. He would be, he would task me with going out and soliciting stores and and things like that to get prizes and and everything. So, you know, at at a young age, I really didn't know what I was doing, but I I was selling, right? I had to communicate and and Mm -hmm. have confidence going into these places and talking to strangers. And at the end of the day, trying to get something from them, you know, to, to benefit myself in the Ducks Unlimited organization. And so really, I would say him throwing me into the fire at such a young age and it just kind of progressed, right? I just, I was always comfortable talking to people and searching and asking the right questions to understand how I can benefit both of us. And then I think selling 
is always about benefiting two people, the two people in the negotiations, right? And so that's, I would say, where kind of my sales career, if you want to call it that, probably yes. started. Um, but then I got into high school and, and my interest changed. I raced snowcross um, throughout high school and then raced snowmobile, continued to race snowmobiles in college. And my passion kind of stayed in the power sports industry. And what I knew is I wanted to be an engineer, a mechanical engineer that specifically was in the power sports industry, making things go faster and testing the limits and things like that. And mm-hmm. so that's the route I took as a career. So I went to the Milwaukee School of Engineering as a mechanical engineer, graduated from there and worked for John Deere until I got the offer of my dream job to work for Arctic Cat. And I was working in their snowmobile engine development and putting on 25,000 plus miles a year on a snowmobile on snow. And it was, mm-hmm. it was awesome. And, uh, once we started a family, I realized that traveling all over the world, chasing snow really didn't lend itself real conducive to, uh, to having a family. So at that point, we looked at moving closer to home, back closer to family and things like that. Yeah. And I took a job in Iowa. They re- that company relocated to Atlanta, Georgia within six months of me starting there. Mm-hmm. So even farther away than what I initially was when I was riding snowmobiles. But mm-hmm. I, I told my wife that I feel like I kind of owed it to the company for us to go down and try it yeah. and see what happens. And lo and behold, it, it wasn't for us. <laughs> so we gave it a year, a little over a year down there, and we looked at moving back. Mm-hmm. But part of when we were moving back was – the company itself was kind of going downhill a little bit. There was some writing on the walls and the executive team and things like that, that I just did have a great feeling about. And when we made the decision to move back closer to family for good, I said, you know, this could happen anywhere that I get a job at, right? I have no, no control or, security at a company working for somebody else and i said what what if we do something for ourselves and Mm -hmm. she's never had any desire to be a business owner or run her own company things like that she likes the security if you call that of getting a paycheck somebody else not having to worry about bank notes and things like Mm -hmm. that but my wife my wife my wife used to be the same way so, so bring yeah. her, bring her to a few RBO or Apex events, and we'll see. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, and but whatever every great wife truly does in partners, she supported the hell out of me, and Same. so we were we were looking at different opportunities, um, and I reached out, just kind of cold called this company back in our hometown, the, the houseboat rentals, I knew that, the, that that family was getting close to retirement age. I didn't think their kids really had any interest in running the business or, or taking that on. And mm-hmm. so I, I just called, called them up one day. I was on the road and I said, hey, have you thought about what you guys are going to do? Are you going to sell it? Are you just going to close it down? Things like that. And they're like, well, you know, we haven't truly thought about it, but um, – we've thought about retirement. We just don't know what we're going to do. I said, well, I'm going to be up in a couple of weeks. Why don't we sit down for coffee and just see where it goes? Mm-hmm. And lo and behold, um, two years later and multiple lawyers and multiple banks and applications and everything else, we, uh, we closed on a seven figure business <laughs> with no experience. Wow. <laughs> that was a hell of a leap to take. So I just, I want to point out, I remember uh, on the first call, I want to say I had met you in person already. And then we had a, uh, an, an Apex executive call. And back then we only had like 45 or 50 people in executives, right? And so I'm on the call and I'm on video and everything. And I'm looking at everybody else's video, kind of scoping everybody out. And there you are on the back of a boat working on an engine, checking out the video every now and then. And I'm like, man, I did not expect 
that to see that and in my head i'm like well who can he delegate that to you know because that, that's the way my mind works systems and everything but now i'm realizing it's because you're the best mechanic in your business you know what i'm saying <laughs> because of your background with everything so that it makes more sense now you know yeah and that was right that was three years ago or more i don't yeah. know i remember that like exact day ago, but yeah. i remember yeah two years ago um mm-hmm. But I was only two years into the business too, oh, right? Wow. And, and still figuring out what I could delegate. And at the end of the day, as business owners, nobody's going to care about your business more than you do, right? And so I was still having a really hard time letting a lot of those tasks go because mm-hmm. one bolt not getting put in or, or something getting put in the wrong place is catastrophic not only to the equipment but potentially to your customers yeah oh 100 so you took this big leap into the houseboats rentals rental space and um so they did they have systems in place was it already operational were you able to just come in and flip a switch and the business was still rolling or did you have to kind of come in and put those things in place yes and no so one of the big draws that attracted us to this business is it it was a family-owned business started in 1960. And so the business and company itself was super well-established, right? And, and they have proven the model that they've weathered storms. They've been in business that economics have gone up and down and they've, mm-hmm. they've made, made it, right? And it was a good opportunity for us with student debt and things like that. After reviewing the financials, we knew that it could support not only our family, but the business could support itself. Um, so that was a lot of what attracted me to it. The mm-hmm. downside of that is, is once we started getting into it and the fact that it was a family run business, right? You start getting, um, I think the word is like, tribal tradition, the tribal um, procedures or whatever they call it, mm-hmm. right? That things have just been handed down because that's the way we do it and that's the way right. we've all done it. And so initially, while the business was very operational, coming in as an outsider, I was like, oh, why do you do it this way? I started asking those questions, mm-hmm. right? And then you have to realize which things are going to be low-hanging fruit that you can address and make changes to that will move the needle mm-hmm. and what things are just need to be left alone until you can give the support and the time available to, to making those changes. Okay. No, a hundred percent. So let's, let's walk through your businesses real quick and just for the, the viewers and the listeners to kind of be able to maybe take a nugget from each of them. And let's walk through the, the sales processes of each of those. And then I want to get into building teams after that for sure. And so like at SNS Houseboats Rentals, I would imagine a lot of that is an online sale or is there a sale that happens in person too? A little of both. I would say we're probably 60, 60 40 online to phone calls. Mm-hmm. Um, I've just implemented kind of making warm calls to customers, okay. I would call them. So customers jump onto our our website. You can fully see the calendars and they can book online and everything like that. A lot right. of times people will, because of our demographics are a little bit older. And so they may not always want to book online. They want to talk to somebody and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so just by filling out a, a free brochure that we send out, we got their information, logs into a CRM. And so this gives me, you know, hundreds of leads up front every year that now in the past I was never doing anything with, but now have started making those calls back after we get that brochure out, they can review that. Some questions may or may not come up that weren't on the website. I follow up with them and now we're booking more over the phone that we were losing before, mm-hmm. but yet still the majority of things come from the website itself Uh, it makes a lot of sense i mean we live in a airbnb world right and so it would make sense that people are accustomed to that now but i love that you're thinking outside the box a little bit and doing something to supplement that because if you just rely on the website and the website by itself then you're subject to the marketplace you know what i mean 
Yeah, exactly. And there's so, there's so many different types of people. My mm. wife, when she books something, she doesn't want to talk to anybody, right? She <laughs> it's all about the website and what she she wants to be able to jump on your website, look at your calendars, and book it without speaking to anyone. And, but she wants to make that decision for herself. Mm-hmm. So maybe you got a bad company, but you can put lipstick on a pig and she's going to book with you because she can and she doesn't have to talk to anybody. Yeah. On the flip side, there's people that have gotten to, they've got to want to talk to somebody and get closed on because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, and, and I think it's a, a generational thing as well, that mm-hmm. the older generation, they know, they know how hard they work for their money, right? And they're going mm-hmm. to do as much homework before they spend that money and they're yeah. going to they're going to vet people they're going to vet me before they go book at the win or do something like that and it, it's a, such a great opportunity for you to sell yourself and your business and er, your core values and everything else to those yeah. people that are on the fence no, i couldn't agree more so do you guys do f- like follow-up campaigns once somebody's booked you want to kind of stay top of mind for their next vacation or their next family gathering Y'all do something to that that aspect? A little bit. So we've been fortunate enough um, to grow every year that we've owned the business. And one of the big pushes that I did was trying to get booked out farther in advance because Mm -hmm. we're such a seasonal business in Iowa that when we first came on, it was January, late December to May is when you really kind of booked people up for that summer vacation. Yeah. Well, being seasonal, you did as much work as you can in the first four months to get people booked. And then mm-hmm. you worked your butt off to execute throughout the season. Right. And then you kind of took some time off, but you had to have that nest egg to get through the off season preparing for the next season. Well, instead of worrying about my nest egg and and are we going to get people to book up in december january february march when it's cold no one's thinking about a summer vacation yeah how can we get those people booked in advance so what i started doing was pushing people to book their vacations for next summer Mm -hmm. as soon as they got back from their vacation and so everything was fresh in their mind our service was fresh in their mind the equipment was fresh in their mind everything and and hopefully they had a great time right and now get them to book we incentivize them with a discount a small discount Mm -hmm. by booking by booking as soon as they get back for next year they can we hold a deposit for their boat we just roll that over so that money's already spent they don't have to spend another thousand dollars in december that money's already gone out of the bank account right we'll just roll that over to next year it's like it never existed Mm -hmm. book them on for next year and now you started filling up and we're booking out not one but two years in advance now for for the boats and that could be a, a confusing process for a business owner to have that much cash going in and out on one customer. You know what I'm saying? The deposit and then returning the deposit. And so you're watching your 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 bank statement do this all the time with the in and out and everything. And now it does more of this because they're rebooking. Right. Yeah, it, it's just like um, putting together, say, your your family budget right mm-hmm. you know they say you want to stash away three to six months worth of income in case something happens well now as you start booking out you've got that deposits done and just just set aside it's like it's not even yeah. there and you, you operate out of another account and that's your judge of the health of your company 100 percent but so yeah, what when, we're, when we were doing seasonal it's up and down by yeah. tens of hundreds of thousands of dollars yeah i can imagine so what was next after that? Was it Mudbum or, or White Rock? So it was Mudbum. Um, and Mudbum came out of a, a place of passion. I've always been in the outdoors and hunting and fishing and things like that. And so Mudbum was an Iowa company and they created a product around catfishing specifically. Okay. And to 
get some following behind the brand and the product, they created a, a outdoor lifestyle show that was on the outdoor channel, Sportsman's Network, some of them big network TV channels. And it just exploded. The brand exploded behind these guys. And when we moved back then, I was already a customer of the product. When we moved back, I had reached out to them to do a uh, warrior giveaway, a wounded warrior giveaway and trip on houseboats, mm-hmm. but they were kind of non-existent. And I was like, well, I didn't know what was going on. Here to find out, these guys grew kind of a side hustle company and it did so well. It got to the point where now somebody needed to actually run a company and nobody wanted to risk their nine to five job, their job security to Mm -hmm. jump in and run this business. And a a bunch of friends that created this thing really started feuding. And I'm like, they're like, I'm not going to do that much work if he's not pulling his weight over here and things like that. And so they really, they just disbanded it all. And they had an investor that stuck a bunch of money into it to support the TV show and getting that going. And all the IP just went back to him. They closed up shop and went their separate directions. And so after a little bit of digging into it, I was able to get in contact with one of them and find out, you know, is it for sale? Is it just gone? What happened? And he's like, no, let me get you in touch with the right guy. And a little bit of homework here and there. And we ended up picking up all the IP and assets to relaunch um, this outdoor company. I remember when you got that, you were so excited about it. And I was just like in my, again, in my head, being the analytical person I am, I'm like, dude, his, he's got this houseboat thing. He's got mud bum now. And I know he, oh, you had a, you were building a house at the time, I want to say. Also. We were doing a, rem- a remodel. Yeah. Dude, <laughs> you were just like under it all. You know what I mean? Oh, it, it but obviously, you came out the other side pretty well. It it it, it sounds like, how uh, how's mud bum doing? Mud bum's doing well. Um You know, we're still working in the red. Obviously, it hasn't paid for itself, but the growth we've made organically just by relaunching the brand. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm excited to make a pretty hard pivot in the brand this year. That's going to not only help us, I believe, but help other startup companies in the outdoor space. So um, we are right now in the process of launching a multi-vendor marketplace in the outdoor industry. Nice. Which will be for an Amazon or eBay in the outdoor industry specifically for us, because let's get get real. When it comes to guns and hunting, we are blacklisted from the get go. And it's so hard to, to grow a brand. Well, before we bought the houseboat company, I was in the outdoor industry and I saw and was so frustrated with the politics of how hard it is to get an outdoor product into retail that I vowed that if I ever had the opportunity, I was going to try and disrupt that process a little bit. And so that's what I'm doing with Mudbum right now is we are launching the marketplace. It, unlike Amazon and eBay, this is going to be 100% free to list your products on mm-hmm. in, the, in the outdoor industry. And so you'll have your own back end that you control the listings and everything else on. And the orders will come from us straight to you, direct to consumer. So you control all your margins instead of giving up 50 points just to have your product on a shelf at Bass Pro or Walmart or something like that. What I else love is that. Really, yeah. What else? Yeah. The second part of it that I'm super excited about is we are being part of this Mudbum Alliance is going to be a co-op and mastermind with industry professionals. So this is where I'm hoping to to monetize a little bit on Mudbum Mm -hmm. is that for a monthly subscription fee, that's going to support the multi-vendor marketplace, but it's also going to give you membership into the alliance that we can now mastermind, share experiences with, share social media content with, share vendors with, and really grow these startup brands that don't have the capacity of the support to get mm-hmm. into retail. And at the end of the day, we're going to put more money in our pockets because we're not giving up those high margins just to be in retail. Man, and 
I feel like it's such an amazing mission that you have to bring, you know, these products to the marketplace in a more efficient and honestly ethical way. And where, you know, like we all deal with social media right now where they can basically take us off. You know what I'm saying? Same thing with Amazon. They're in the same bed, right? And yeah. so that you're creating this other marketplace is going to be huge. But the, the second thing I feel like the vendors that come on it need to be exclusive to it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Which is, it's going to be a big ask for the bigger guys. You know what I mean? And maybe they can test some smaller products on it, but at the same time for your up and comers, I mean, that's, that's honestly where I would go, you know, cause I'm going to get the unique things. I'm going to get the innovative things, the things that haven't been tested in the, in the marketplace uh, as much, but these up and coming companies and be able to support them. The third thing I would say is because you're not charging any fee, then they should a hundred percent be able to select, okay, which, you know, nonprofit would you like to support and then have, you know, what they would normally pay in fees or maybe like a, a 10% of what they would normally pay in fees go towards that nonprofit. I think, I think the combination of those three things could, that thing would take off quick. No, especially I, I, lo- I love that idea. You know, and you, you exactly hit it on the head without me saying it is I'm not looking to onboard the big guys here. They don't need me. Right. Yeah. Um, anybody, Remington, uh, mm-hmm. anybody in the camping, Coleman or anything like those guys don't need us. Right. Yeah. I'm looking for the guys that have a hundred to 50,000 followers on social media that I can instantaneously double their following just by putting their content on my platform. Okay. So now we, we grew instantly grew, doubled their following. Mm-hmm. We've already got the customers coming to the website so we can do that. We can put, take away that margins. They could give a discount for 15% and still be putting 30% more money in their pockets every sale just by not being at retail. And right. not only so, but a lot of people don't realize you go into Bass Pro and you you are fortunate enough to get your product on the shelf there. You're giving mm-hmm. up 40, 40 to 50 points margin right off the yeah. bat, just like that, because yeah. they got to make their piece. What people don't know is you're also going to give another 7% discount because of their marketing. Mm-hmm. So now you're going to take that invoice, take another 7% off of it. And in a lot of cases, if you have multiple products, they will require you to list all of your products on their website for sale that will be direct to consumer. So now you're giving up your margin on products that you're having to still ship out. And wow. it, the model is so broken that these small manufacturers and startup companies, can't have, there's no way to get it in there. They can't make it. And so that's, that's what I'm trying to get rid of because there's so many good products that are created out of passion mm-hmm. and issues in the field and they never get anywhere because they, there's no traction. They don't have the support to get it there and realize what it takes. And so when I was in the outdoor industry, what I saw is there's these private equity companies going up and buying all these little co- outdoor companies, these yeah. mom and pop shops that have good products. They get these and then they strip it down because it's a race to the bottom on price and it ends up taking everything away from the product. They may take a great product and turn it into shit because it's a race to the bottom and they want to help out you know, their friends and keep all their products mm-hmm. and, and coming from companies that don't have hunters and they don't have outdoorsmen making the sales. They, they have no skin in the game for their products. These companies that I'm marketing to for Mudbum, they are the ones selling out of their garage right? Yeah. They're the ones that have their wives and their kids bagging up product and put in the mailbox to mm-hmm. ship out. Those are the people I want to help grow. And put me on the phone with them. Cause I can sell the shit out of that. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> we will, we will, man. I'm, I'm so excited about it. And, and the thing is like, I, I've been going to it's show season. I've been going to a lot of shows and I, I'm trying to talk to uh-huh. vendors and get people onboarded. And they're like, well, it's a catch, right? How, how are you yeah. making money? I'm so fortunate right now with the boat rentals and things like that, that I can put my time. This is a, this is a product of passion. I I believe in it and it needs to be done. Well, and it's one of those things where create like the Facebook effect. If you can put off monetizing it as long as possible and growing the value in it, I mean, it's going to be one little ad all of a sudden, 
and it's monetized to the tune of millions of dollars. You know what I'm saying? So it's one of those things. It's like, it could just be a passion project and make a huge impact in the outdoor industry. And it could also be, you know, a hundred million dollar brand someday, you know, especially if you're teaching these guys how to like, I, you know, Mudbums has a huge following on social media. I would imagine that you've got some uh, expert knowledge on how to drive people from social media to your website to purchase, mm-hmm. right? Um, just offhand, do you have any any strategies that you're currently doing or that you kind of preach on to, to make that happen, that transition? You know, one thing I've noticed, and we've gone, you and I both have gone through this and build your machine through Apex, mm-hmm. is the consistent exposure on social media, okay. right? And not, don't sell, man. We get we get hit so much with ads and things like that and targeting mm-hmm. on Facebook and social media. For people, for in my opinion, for people to get behind the brand, the entertainment, you know, before it was entertainment, education, um, I forget the other one, right? There's these two segments that, yeah. that, that, that you want to hit, right? Mm-hmm. Now the entertainment side is why people are there. And personally, I don't like being sold to on there. Even if I'm being entertained and something comes up that I I relate to, Mm -hmm. I'm going to go to the site. Rarely am I going to be buying off of social media. And so being consistent with your exposure and your content on social media is probably by far right now the most important. The other thing that I've seen is – where it used to be like two to three minute videos, everybody's attention attention span is shrinking with TikTok no. and everything's reels. So now like 30 seconds to a minute is the max that people are getting the most engagement on videos no. and things like that. So keeping it short and being consistent. Um, I just ran a test the last two weeks, right? I was kind of hit and miss while we were developing the, the new website. And I was hit and miss. And for two weeks, I was like, I'm going to post every single day. And I literally went from a $35,000 or 35,000 engagement and reach to over 100,000 people in a wow. week just by being consistent. So if you have 100,000 people, we know every post isn't going to hit 100,000 people. Right. But if you're consistent, you are going to touch those people. I couldn't agree more. And. I think we we do get caught up in the vanity metrics, right? And so it's like shorter videos and, you know, go along with the trends and and do the dances and all that shit, right? Or you could just consistently be yourself. That's consistently right. provide content that you believe in and you're passionate about. And I feel like if you do that, you're you're going to have the right people follow you and it's going to bring you business, you know? Yeah. Uh, and then on top of that, you can do the campaigns and the funnels and, you know, low ticket, high ticket, whatever the case is, or uh, in your case, merchandise, right? So what about white, white rock? Where did that come from? I mean, the besides eating more decoys, you can't even make these stories up. So yeah. white rock is a company, a uh, waterfall decoy company. Okay. And white rock, they really built this great kind of, budget level waterfall decoy. And again, they built a great brand, ended up being the three partners, kind of started feuding over stuff and ended up closing it down. Where I got involved is the guy that I use for video content for SNS rentals mm-hmm. was one of the owners. And as he, they're shutting this company down or, or piecing it off, he reaches out to me and, you know, wondering if he ended up with it, if, if I'd be interested in, in kind of bringing it back. And so, no, he knew that I was involved in Mudbum, this outdoor brand, knew that I was in the hunting industry and just thought if, if I'd be interested, we could relaunch a, a decoy company that would fit in good with the outdoor brands that we already got. And mm-hmm. here we are now with a third or second outdoor company, a third company. I love and it. So we're, we just placed our first order um, for that. We'll start receiving product again um, mm-hmm. mid mid to late April into the summer for the waterfall season next year. So you just y'all just heard three business acquisition strategies, right? The first one was cold calling a business, knowing that you know the owners were older and they may be looking to retire. The second was um, 
Oh, how did you, how did you know that mud bums, like they were feuding and had issues and everything Were were you connected with somebody within the company? So that I didn't find out about until I was, I was really trying to reach out in regards to the wounded warrior. Oh, okay. Gotcha. And they had just, I didn't know the back end story where they just said, you know, we're shutting down yeah. not support the product anymore. Gotcha. And so it, it went from there to then be, just staying in contact with them to learn more, doing some homework on it yeah. and seeing where it went that ended up leading into a purchase. So most people think like, I'm going to start a business. I'm going to start from scratch. You know what I mean? And I'm going to do all the things. Your entry point was I'm going to buy another business. You know what I'm saying? So at, at this point you've, you've bought three businesses, maybe more, you know what I mean? Uh, but, but three that are currently still operating. Right. And I would say at this point, you know, business acquisition is your game. Yeah, I, I, have no, I have no <laughs> desire to try and start a business from scratch. I yeah. see a lot more opportunity in finding um, mm-hmm. something that lies in your passions and, and you can relate with. Yeah. And there's so many great companies that are either in distress or the owners are looking to get out of it, right? Yeah. And and what I've learned in Apex and talking with Ducharm and different people, like mm-hmm. nobody thinks about the exit. Yeah, And so there's so many opportunities out there that are just ripe for the pickings for transactions because on a, on a buyer's side, because nobody thinks about the end game and where they're going with stuff. And so now that they've got one person that's interested, now the wheels start turning, right? And it's overwhelming because they hadn't thought about it up until now. They had no yeah. idea where they were going with it. And so coming from a buyer standpoint, there's a lot of opportunity in business acquisitions, whether it's distressed companies that just there's some easy things, processes and procedures wise that need to be mm-hmm. fixed or people looking to retire that just have had enough finally and they're ready to get out of it. Adam yeah. Lyons, I mean, that guy spits a ton of knowledge when it comes into finding the right business acquisitions and finding companies that are, are right for the pickings. No, I couldn't agree more. I mean, uh, his business is in a position right now where all this money has been dumped into the marketplace the last couple of months. So everybody's business business was doing great. So what's going to happen after that comp- that money dries up, which it already is pretty much, it's drying up. So a lot of companies are doing this and kind of just for my people that are listening specifically for building great sales teams, you got to understand there is other sales groups or sales orgs out there that are going through this downtrend, right? Because they, they were part of a very easy market last year where there was a ton of money everywhere. Everybody was making sales. And what happens is, is this market that we're going into now is going to expose some people. I don't think it's going to be like a crash or a bad market or anything like that, but it will expose some people that don't have good systems and processes in place, don't have a strong sales program in place. And now they're actually having to really sell versus, you know, finding customers that are ripe for the picking because they have bank accounts full of cash, you know what I'm saying? And so, what you guys heard that Blake just went through was three different uh, business acquisition situations where he had alignment with the product. It, it's all outdoors, right? And then you had alignment with the, the uh, either the previous owners or uh, the people that wanted to be part of it moving forward, you know? And then your, your camera guy or your media guy reached out to you because he's like, man, Blake's pretty good at this. And, you know, obviously he wouldn't do that if you were an asshole, if you didn't have values, you know what I'm saying? If he didn't believe in you. And so since you've been representing those, as long as I've known you, um, you were able to capitalize on that opportunity as well. None of these are traditional business acquisition strategies, right? It's just putting yourself out there over and over again, and then living by your core values and you attracted them to yourself, it sounds like. A hundred percent. And even if you take away, you know, where I'm at with the outdoor brands and things like that, and just back Mm -hmm. up to the boat rentals and our jump from the nine to five job as an engine, we had, we had great jobs. I was making six figures as an engineer. My wife was making almost six figures as a lab scientist in a hospital. We, we had a great life, right? But it was making that jump that there's only one option now to make it work and you have to make it work. And so when I mentioned that we bought SNS rentals, which is a seven figure business, we didn't have that cash. In fact, when we were doing the paperwork to apply for it, we had a negative net worth. 
I didn't even know you could have a negative ne- negative <laughs> network, right? Uh-huh. I, was fo- I was following the typical blue collar, like you need something, you get a loan. Dave you Ramsey. Car loan. Yeah, yeah, you got car loans. Let's start getting that stuff paid off. And it turns out I've got a negative net worth. Who's going to loan a, a loan, a business acquisition loan like that mm-hmm. to, to somebody with a negative net worth? You clearly can't manage money. Well, <laughs> lo, lo and behold, in all its wisdom, the government will, right? Yeah. So we went and got an SBA 7A loan mm-hmm. and we're able to make that first purchase. And, and we've been so fortunate that we've done what we've done and, and came from where we were because we went from that negative net worth with the nine to five jobs mm-hmm. to now with multiple businesses. But yeah. people think that, how do you do that? You just gotta start taking the first step, right? Like. SNS wasn't the first business that we looked at buying when we decided we were going to do something for ourselves. Right. But you took every opportunity and you you vet it out. But if you just blindly say that one's not going to work out or I can't do that, you never know. Somebody's going or, to do it. I don't have the credit. I don't have the money. I don't have the experience. Whatever the case is, you know, uh, one of my buddies, Kyle Lowe's, his business or his brand is one day at a time. You know what I mean? Just convert that to one problem at a time. All right. The first problem is credit. All right. Can I find a co-signer or can they own or finance it to me? The second problem is ex- experience. Can I go work in the business for six months before I purchase it in order? And one of our one of our friends, hit the, the guy that bought his shop did exactly that. He worked in the business for like six months before he purchased it. You know what I'm saying? And so there's always a solution if you want it bad enough, you know. And so once you. Once you buy these businesses, obviously you got to operate them. You can't do it all by yourself. So let's talk a little bit about building teams. Do you have a system or a philosophy behind that? Or do you just have some experiences that you can share with our listeners? I wish I was better at it in all honesty. Okay. Um, you know, the mud bombs and things like that. I've got some partners and stuff that help out here and there, but it's not full time enough that I, I've got employees on. Right. The only employees that I currently have are, are with SNS and the houseboat rentals and the marina. Mm-hmm. And it, it's really hard for me because we're, we're a seasonal business, right? Mm-hmm. And even at that, the employees I need is more of a part time position. And so right. my team lends itself to seasonal part-time employees in the summer and people that have families and and need support. Like it's just not the ideal job for them, but what it is is an ideal job for high school and college age kids. Mm -hmm. And I've taken that opportunity to really take the ones that are interested in working for me, taking them under Mm -hmm. my wing to show them and make them a part of my company so that they're not four or five years into a career path or in college still and realize that that's not what they want. They can, they can understand some of the processes of being a business owner, see that Mm -hmm. there's other options than just going and getting a college degree and working for somebody else for the rest of your life. And maybe it's not even that, but maybe they have an interest in mechanical stuff. Right. Yeah. And so I take them under my maintenance programs and start showing them oil changes and preventative maintenance on the boats and things like that. Mm-hmm. And they're either, they either love it and it solidifies their decision to continue going into being a mechanic or they're mm-hmm. like, you know, it's not what I thought about. It's not what I thought it was. And they can they can choose something different and maybe yeah. they want to be mar- they want to do marketing. So, all right. Let's let's open up a Google Drive and I'll buy a DSLR camera and you can go start getting me content. Right. And and it, it's investing in my company. For me, it's mm-hmm. cheap labor and it's sh- giving them an opportunity to find out if they like it and if they want to continue with it. And hopefully if they do, they remember that I was a great person to work for and invest in my company and in my employees and they want to come back and be in a full time position. And I love the the principles that you're sharing. You You may not even realize the principles that you're sharing, but they are foundational principles. And the, and the first time that I heard about them was from uh, Dale Carnegie and uh, his book, How to Win Friends and Influence People, right? And he talks about, you know, in order to get to where you want to go, or I'm sorry, if you invest in people and in, in what they want, you'll eventually get what you want, right? And so when, we, when you look at running a team, when you look at the sales process, when you look at a relationship, you know what I'm saying? It's about 
service first, right? Or qualifying the prospect, or in your case, qualifying this brand new employee at a high school or college or whatever the case is and finding out, all right, what do you want? What are you passionate about? You know what I'm saying? What does your perfect day look like? And how can I help you get there? Full knowing that that may not be at your company, it may be somewhere else, but all you're really looking for is that impact. And then obviously the work that they do while they're there. But then there's so many other branches that can develop from that, that end up being great for your company or great for your name in the community, which obviously is very strong because you're, you've cut, you're getting brought these opportunities, whether it's to hire new people or uh, invest in other businesses, whatever the case may be. But that's the same thing with the sales process. You know, when we're looking at uh, a prospect, if all we do is tell them how great our product is and we don't listen to what they actually need and how our product can fit into that lifestyle of what they need, then we're not going to, we're not going to sell them at least unless we just have a product that sells itself. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's, it's interesting to me how that is a universal law, you know, and uh, how a book that's a hundred years old still applies over and over again, you know? Yes. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, for example, I had a gal started with me when she was uh, 15 and worked for me five, six years. And she's, I, I tell my employees when they start with me, the jobs you're going to do are not glamorous, but they're not hard. Right. Mm -hmm. Sweeping and holding off the deck of a boat, vacuuming, making beds, things like that. Yeah. But the opportunities that are within our company for me to like, I'll let you start getting into my books with me. If you have mm -hmm. an interest in accounting, we'll, yeah. we'll get into marketing and things like that. But you got to prove yourself first. Right. Anyways, right. this guy, this gal worked for me and she uh, did great. She ended up being like a lead on the clean outside cleaning crew, things like that. She, she worked well with the, the team. Mm -hmm. and wasn't quite sure what she was going to do. And I said, well, here's an opportunity we've got. It was a problem we had in the company that people don't want to drive the boats. They want somebody to drive the boats for them. And oh, if yeah. they're not comfortable, I, I'm more than happy to not have them drive the boats and risk wrecking something or hurting themselves. Yeah. But uh, on the Mississippi, you have to have what's called an OUPV license, a six-pack license mm -hmm. as a captain to do that. And I said, well, why don't you go – You've got the hours with operating the boats and things like that. Why don't you take the class and get, become a captain? Mm. So she did that, and she's a, a Coast Guard licensed captain now for not only the OUPV, but a 50-ton master captain is what yeah. she ended up getting. And she was recognized and awarded as a young leader in the marine industry this year in Nashville on the national level. Wow. And it just so happened that she ended up getting a job offer from a marine construction company in La Crosse, Wisconsin. And it's just, she's not even with me anymore, but I'm proud as hell of her because of the work ethic that she put in mm -hmm. and that I, I can help support and provide them opportunities, even if it's not with me, you know? And it just, it goes from showing her that she could do anything in a male dominated industries. She can become a captain and work for these companies, but it also shows these other kids and her friends who um, what we're like to work for. And I, I say me, but that's not me. It's what we are like to work for and what we do for our team members. And now we've got kids lining up asking if we're hiring for the summer. And so now it, it just, it's a revolving doors. You, you pour into people and people pour into you. No, I love it. I, I hope I get to operate a business or be part of a business someday that, that's hiring young people again. For me, it was early on, it was in the door-to-door -door industry, but they were only two years younger than me at the time. I didn't have shit to teach them, you know what I'm saying? So, no, that's, uh, you know, Kirsten Smith was on the podcast the other day. She was talking about the ripple legacy, you know, that little ripple effect. And so not only did that, that ripple effect contribute towards the, the legacy that you're building, but it also contributed right back into the company, bringing more, more, uh, more applicants in to work with you, you know? And I, I gotta believe at this point, it's like, so like for my wife and her, her sisters and, and cousins, it was Texas Roadhouse. All of them worked at Texas Roadhouse in college. You know what I mean? And so you're like the, the Texas Roadhouse of Iowa right now. Like all the kids want to work there as part of their high school or college experience, whatever the case is. You probably got some marriages that came from there already. I would imagine. 
<laughs> Not yet. Well, we've had some relationships, which, which okay. is its own, it's, its own battle. <laughs> That's a whole nother run, run of business. All right, brother. Well, we wrap up with uh, one final question, and it is, what does legacy mean to you, and what legacy do you want to leave behind? Legacy to me is, at the end of the day, what you're remembered for, right? Um, in its most simplest terms, I guess that's what I w- would put it. And what I want my legacy to be, and I was, it's funny, I just had this conversation with one of my best friends, because he's like, when are you going to slow down? What, what are you going when is it when's enough, enough, enough? To be enough? You know, and and we all we all hear that as entrepreneurs, right? And yeah. it's like never, it never is. And I, I'm doing what I love. And I I told him, and this is what I would say to answer that question, is I just I just want to be a dude that when people think of what I've done and they just think it was just a regular person. And if he can do it, why can't I do it? And because you can, you can. And that's what's so important. What I've learned is just start because you can do it. I love it, brother. Like show, a legacy of example. <laughs> I hope so. All right, brother. Well, I appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, if anybody's interested in any of your businesses or just following you, where can they, where can they reach at? Instagram, Facebook, um, at Blake show, Blake underscore show on Instagram, um, search SS houseboats, uh, on Facebook, the mud bum USA is going to be the multi vendor platform. So mm-hmm. check it out. If you're in the outdoors, hunting, fishing, camping, shooting, and just outdoor lifestyle products. So we're excited to get that going. But yeah, as far as personally, shoot me a, a message on either of those platforms at Blake show. Yeah, and we'll cl- include all the links in the show notes and everything so you can share it and everybody can find you. Bro, I thank you so much for coming on the, the podcast. It was uh, it was an interesting and a fun one for sure. <laughs> it always is, man. And you're an easy guy to talk to, and it's probably why we attracted each other. So yeah. I hope we, are, we can connect here in the future in person again and see where it leads us. Sounds good. Let's get building. All right. See you, buddy. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Building Great Sales Teams podcast. We really do appreciate it. As you know, we believe that great leaders build great teams. How do you become a great leader? You learn from the greats. Join us at the Million Dollar Mastermind put on by Ryan Stuman in Frisco, Texas, and learn everything that you need to learn to be that great leader. The link will be in the description below. As always, we ask that you like, share, and subscribe wherever you consume podcasts so you can stay up to date with the Building Great Sales Teams podcast. Let's get building.